Let's begin by reading today two texts of Scripture. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen is the first one. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. Did you hear that? My, my. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. Isn't that a wonderful text? Their the words were found, and I did eat them. And my next scripture is found in Psalms 42. And we will look at verse 1, and we will read verse 2 as well. As the heart painteth after the, the water and brooks, so painteth my soul after thee, O God. Psalms 42. My soul thirsteth for God. The living God, when shall I come and appear before thee? My message today is starving. Starving. First, let us pray. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to reflect. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm remembering that there's coming a time when we will have to separate the important things from that which is essential. There are a lot of important things, a lot of important things in life that we, that we do. But being able to take out of that the important things and separate it from that which is essential. And the reason I, the reason I I stress that is that in these last days, this is exactly what Christians will be going through at the time of trouble. We'll have to do a lot of things. That will be the hardest thing that I think that we'll ever have to experience. You can do without a lot of things, but we cannot do without a relationship with Jesus Christ. These things are important, but it's also essential. You can do without the house, but you cannot do without Jesus Christ. That's the essential thing. The essential thing you cannot do without in the time of trouble is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do without the house, but you cannot do without Jesus. The text that we have just Red lifts us, lifts us to another level. That's, that's the heart search. The heart is a deer that's running through the wood, running through the, the forest, the woods. He's thirsty. He's looking for a brook of water. And as we study this scripture, we have established, I think, four important things. First, we learned that man has been separated from the presence of God. When we become separated from God, we find this in, in Genesis two seventeen. And when we and when the Lord said to Adam and Eve, Do not eat of the tree, and they ate of the tree, 
and they became separated from God's word. They became separated from the presence of God and therefore separated themselves from him. And that resulted in having separated, we find in Genesis 3.8, and then after separated themselves from God, then they became separated from God's very presence. Remember when God came, they hid, they hid themselves from him. Separated from God's word, they became separated from his presence. And remember Cain, what he went through. Separated from God's word, he became separated from God's presence, and he became separated from the worship of God. The fourth thing that we find in Genesis 6 through 7, from God, they separated themselves from God's destiny. They gave up on upon God's plan for their life. God has planned that one day, one day he will be refellowship with the human family. Are you going to heaven? I, I'm going to heaven. My Bible tells me that. I want to look in the face of Jesus. My wife's favorite song was a glory song. That will be glory for me when I can look on his face. That will be glory for me. I want to look into those eyes of pure love. I've never looked in the eyes of pure love before, but that's what Jesus will have for me. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. My brother-in-law, Vester, used to sing here, uh, It is well, it is well with my soul. You know, we should be excited about that. I want you to be excited about it. This is the mantra this is the this is the golden cord that we are dealing with. The human race does not know today most of a why that they were even created, like the the religious world today. They do not teach the creation of God. Of course, man's most popular religion is evolution, is evolution. And of course, evolution is not a science. It's a theory, so that makes it a religion. You have to have a lot of faith to believe in evolution because you sure can't prove it. Uh, illustration, I, I quit driving because my eyesight about, uh, been about three months probably now. And my car is still sitting in the carport at home. But if I leave it there long enough, it's going to be a Rolls Royce, but I, I won't be around. Well, I will be probably some super type of being at that time. I remember stopping picking up one of my tenants. I'd just been at an evangelistic meeting in our church in Cincinnati, and I picked up this tenant. He was coming from college, and I invited him to to the to the meetings and he announced so proudly that he was an atheist and I thought you're an idiot I you know and I wasn't about to call him that because an idiot and the Bible tells me if I call a man a fool I'm in danger of hell far I, I looked in Webster's and I couldn't tell a lot of difference in an idiot and a fool the difference an idiot is someone has low self low intelligence and uh, uh, a fool is someone's always making the wrong mistakes. 
choosing the wrong thing. What's the difference? Seems to me like it's about the same thing. But one day, the separation had been almost completed. And then God did something special. God did something. He sent Jesus. Turn to the one next to you and say, he sent Jesus. Yes, he did. He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus. You know, and since God sent Christ, we have we have some idea of what the Father is like. Because John 1.18 tells us he came to declare him. My sermon today in the past has been based pretty much on seeking God through prayer. But now, in today's sermon, I want to stress, God told me, I want you to stress seeking him through his word. There was no doubt in my mind. I heard John Carter say that when God spoke to him, it's almost like a trumpet. I have to say the same thing. When he impresses me, it's louder probably than any voice that in any verbal communication that we could have. I've noticed another thing. If I say no, no, his voice keeps getting less large, gets quieter and quieter. And after a while, you keep saying no, and you will not hear that voice again. So the subject today is starving. Seeking him through the word, one of the characteristics of modern man today is boredom. Boredom. And the reason why we get bored so quickly is because we are over-entertained. Entertainment is a narcotic of the senses. The more you have of it, the more you want. And then the entertainment junkie not only is there never enough, he wants it to be more entertaining or he gets bored. A need for a greater high has now become a part of the religious world today. Mega, mega uh, churches, stay with me a minute, bigger churches. In some cases, these churches have tens of thousands of members. An example of this is a need for more and bigger buildings, uh, bigger choirs. I said, bigger choirs? They passed that. They passed the band, and some of them now have orchestras. Orchestras instead of a, a big stages and platforms, and then to top it all off, big name, big name preachers. My neighbor gave me a tape. Well, this was back before DVDs. This was a VCR tape. And he said, pass it on. Just pass it. You don't need to bring it back. Just pass it on. Well, after listening to about 15 minutes, I did pass it on. I passed it to the garbage can. And then, but I later I prayed that the garbage man wouldn't get a hold of that. <laughs> and the, the pastor of some of these churches they seem more like entertainers than they do than they do pastors. This tape was in it. This tape was party time. Party time. They came out. the The lights were flashing all different colors. They had the they had white suits on, white gloves. And if I hadn't have known that I was watching a supposed to be a Christian tape, I would have thought it was. Party time. It was entertainment. 
because the pastors act far more like entertainers than they did than they did pastors. And this is augmented by the by the the pastor's lifestyle. That is almost comparable with hot, with the rock stars. Some of them have have uh, multi-million dollars homes, maybe th- three or four of them in different parts of the, of the world. And uh, inter- the churches have become an entertainment center today. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I believe that a pastor should have a nice car and a nice home uh, and, and a plane if they can glorify God in it. The Bible supports prosperity. It doesn't, it doesn't just laud poverty. But I'm only speaking of the entertainment effect that has permeated the churches today. Pastor Sherman was one of my favorite pastors. I loved him dearly. And I met with him before he became, before he met with the church. He came over and met with me as a first elder, and he said, now, Glenn, when you entertain me, or when you introduce me, he said, you can ask me any questions you want. I think he was, and he told me later, Glenn, I wasn't expecting the questions that you asked. He probably thought I would ask about the conferences he's in, and especially about his trumpet. Flark, when she was here, she remembers that trumpet. No one could play a trumpet like, like, uh, uh, Walt Sherman. But you know, when I, when I, uh, interviewed him, I asked him about his prayer life. I asked him how he prepared sermons. I asked him about his visitation. I asked him what his dream and his vision was for the Hamilton Church. He told me later, Glenn, I wasn't expecting that. But I can't tell you how much I appreciated it. Because it told me so much about you. What is our priority? What is our priority when we come to church? What is our priority? We, do we come starving for the word of God? Or are we coming for the show? The personality, the sentence, what are we coming for? You see, through through the week, we are over-entertained, and we come to church, and we still need a high. This person was telling me, that was back a few years ago, when Gunn spoke, that's been a lot of years ago, and she's telling me, this one member of the church, she stayed home on Wednesday night because she did not want to miss Gunn spoke. The music must be... I've been, just not only speak of this church, other churches I've been in, the, ch- the music must be in a certain tempo, special music must be sang in a certain way, the preacher must have a certain style of preaching. And you know what? We don't realize what we are saying. We're saying, God, you are not important enough to enjoy just by yourself. We need some trappings. We need some trappings. I don't know how we're going to make it in the last days. In the last days, I have read, I read my Bible. I read my Bible and the Bible tells me that some of us, this will be during the time of trouble, that some of us are going to be living in slaves. There's going to be no organs. There's no, uh, no pianos. 
no no pews, you will be glad to have your Bible. You will be glad to have your Bible. The Bible will be the thing that's sufficient for you. We have to be careful that we are not starving for the wrong thing. And we have to be careful that we are not demanding something from the church that the church was never devised to supply. Now the Lord understands our need for sight and sound. All you have to do is go to the, to the Old Testament sanctuary and it's full. It is full of pageantry. It is full of pageantry. But notice what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah, let, let's, let's go there. You see there, there's a danger for the sight and sound. In Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord speaks to Isaiah, starting with verse 11, and he says, and he says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices. Says the Lord, I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of a fed beast. And I delight not, he says, in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats, Isaiah 1, 11. God is saying, I'm getting tired. He said, I'm getting tired of this. Why? When you come before me, who has required this? Who has required this before me to tread my courts with this? What unto me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says Jehovah? I've had enough of burnt off, burn offerings of rounds and the, and the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not, he said, in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from, from at your hands to trample my course? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense and, and is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbaths and the calling of assemblies. I cannot stand. Away with iniquity and the solemn meetings. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary of bearing them. And then the Lord Jesus kicks in. The Lord Jesus. Now, if you have any problems with this message today, you talk to him about it because this is his words. If you have a red letter edition, this would be in red, red letters. Therefore, he said, I speak to them in parable because seeing they see not and hearing they hear not, neither, neither do they understand me. And until them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing ye shall hear, and no wise understand. And in seeing ye shall see, and ye shall in no wise perceive. For this people is wax gross, and their, their years are dull of hearing. You come to church, you enjoy the preaching, 
You enjoy the singing. You enjoy the prayers. But you know what Jesus says? But because you did not come for the right reason, I'm sick of it. This is Jesus' words. Because you did not come for the right reason, I'm sick of it. He said, cut out the scripture. Forget the sermons and the music. You did not come for me. You came for the show. You came for the show. You're not starving for me. He says, you are here for the entertainment. You're here for the entertainment. He says, I brought them here to confront them and to heal them. That's why you are here. You're not here for the show. You know, I, I love, we, this church has got talented in it. You wouldn't believe. When I came to this church, I was, well, seven years of part of this church. I preached every Sabbath. The pastors preached once a month. And, and if we'd had the talent that we have today, I wouldn't have been preaching that many times, I'm, I'm sure. I came from large churches. I started preaching in the Cincinnati First Church between four and five hundred members. And they used to kid the pastors. He was sharing his salary with me. But there's no way if we'd had the talent at a church of four or five hundred people, if we would have had the talent at that time in a Cincinnati church that we have here, I wouldn't have been preaching that much, I'm sure. We're loaded, and I love to hear the speakers. I love to hear the teachers. We had another perfect example of it this morning, a good teaching, I thought. Well, you know, I don't come here for them. I'm going to be here regardless of who's teaching, who's speaking, or who's singing. But I came here. Jesus says, I got you out of the bed Sabbath morning, knowing that your soul was broken and bare. And I got you here. And I got you here not to hear a certain person, uh, but to be changed by me. To be changed by me. That's why you are here. That's why you're here. And when are we going to learn, it's not men, but Christ. It's not men, but Christ. When are we going to stop destroying ourselves and our pastors and our teachers. Pastors are men and women born in sin, shaped in iniquity, blessed to get into heaven themselves and to turn our pastors and teachers into icons is an insult, I believe, to the Holy Ghost. In closing, I've studied my Bible and closing, you can go to hell with the Bible in your hand. You can attend Sabbath services every week and still go to hell. Religious mechanisms attach an attachment to make you feel holy. And Sabbath after Sabbath, missing the point. You don't walk in here on a Sabbath morning because your, your names is on the church book or you're religious. You walk in here on the Sabbath morning because you are broken and in need of a Savior. God never never intended for his church to become a, a spectacular or the presentation of the gospel to be entertainment, to be entertainment. I'll say it again. You will know where you are spiritually 
the day that you come here to this church to meet Jesus. That's when you'll know how you stand. No matter what's going on, and no matter who's speaking. And as long as you have, again, from God's word, as long as you have another criteria, I guarantee you that there's no chance that you'll be in the earth made new. I've been preaching now for nearly 50 years, nearly half a century. And I know that people love to hear smooth things, even professed Christians. What I preach is out of my love for God, for his word, and a love for you. You know, I, I thought when I was working on this message, I said, Lord, this is a pretty strong message that you're giving me. And he told me, again, one of those times he spoke to me and he said, go to one of the promises in the Bible, Proverbs 27 Verse 6 says, Faithful are the, wor- the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And one of these days I'll have to give an account for myself. And I don't want to stand before my Lord and hear him say, Why didn't you give the warning that I gave to you for the church? Something to think about. What about the warning, a gift to you for the church? Why didn't you get that? Father, that is a question that we all need to ask. Face to face with our Savior, what will the answer be? Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for the precious warning that you've given us. It's a warning, I believe, because you're coming so soon. Help us to keep focused upon thee. And help us to come to church next Sabbath and every Sabbath to meet you and receive the blessing that you want to give each one of us is our prayer in his name. Amen.